So we're going through this stretch of uh, Romans chapter 5, which is telling us that God's plan to remove, well, more than a plan, God's action to remove the judgment of the world upon himself means the whole world. This is what we're learning from Romans chapter 5, where the uh, best, clearest uh, verse that summarizes it is verse 18. Therefore, as through one man's offense, that is Adam's, judgment came to all men, so we went under the judgment of Adam, resulting in condemnation, even so through one man's righteous act, that's Jesus Christ, of course, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. It's too much to take in. It's beyond what most Christians believe. But the fact is that God has justified, declared innocent the human race. Now, this doesn't mean that the human race will not come under judgments, but they will not be judgments to death, but judgments to redemption. And uh, because God himself, through his son Jesus Christ, took the judgment unto death. And so we see these verses, uh, verse 16, you know, I mentioned the other day, verse uh, 15, but the free gift is not like the offense, for if by one man's offense, that's Adam, many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. Now, as I pointed out the other day, some people get um, uh, very defensive about this whole thing and, and make a, uh, an emphasis, put an emphasis on many. Well, you, they say, uh, there you go. Paul is just talking about many who will be saved. But if you look at the whole context, that's simply impossible as an interpretation because he's using the word many um, in the sense of the masses or all, because he uses the word many, for instance, in the verse that says many died. Well, of course, all die and all died. And uh, so in the sense in which he's using it, that applies to the many who receive life and grace also. Remember that Jesus said that he came as a ransom for many. He's giving his life as a ransom for many. But Paul, in one of the epistles, says that he gave his life as a ransom for all. And so Paul is using the word all there and understanding that Jesus' words many mean all. So there we have also verse 17. For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, and of course death reigned for all people, didn't it? Much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the, the gift of righteousness will reign in life through Jesus, through the one Jesus Christ. But there you see people say, well, it's only for those who receive the abundance of grace. But that is not the context that Paul is bringing out that a few will receive the abundance of grace and the most will not. What he's meaning there is that by one man's, as one man, uh, his death um, brought the reign of, uh, as one man's sin, I'm sorry, brought the reign of death upon everyone, so man's righteousness will bring the reign of life upon everyone and be received, be received um, by the grace of 
that God gives. You see, God's grace is able to give faith. You say, why doesn't he give it to everyone? He will give grace to everyone, and he will give faith to everyone. Some will receive it early on in life, some will receive it later, and some will receive it in the judgment. You say, how can you be sure that people will receive grace in the judgment? Because the final judgment leads to the the place where every knee shall bow before him. As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow before me. And in Romans chapter 14, Paul says that in the judgment, every knee shall bow before God not only bow in the sense of acknowledging him as God, but every knee shall bow, making a promise, making a vow that in God alone is their righteousness and strength. Enemies do not make a vow to God. All people finally in the judgment will see that the lamb that was slain has won over the power of evil. And that victory will bring so much humbling, so much embarrassment to the world, that they will never open their mouths again for shame. But that shame will not be destructive, it will be redemptive. There are many passages in the Bible, and you might want to look it up, look them up in a concordance, where shame leads people to finally surrender to God. Now, think of this in relation to your own life. You wonder if you're young and you've become a Christian and yet you have many struggles in life. You wonder whether you'll make it till the end. Jesus says, he that endureth to the end shall be saved. But what guarantee do we have that we will endure to the end? And the answer to that is the same Jesus who saved you in the first place. For Jesus who saved you in the first place is a faithful shepherd, and shepherds guide their sheep. And shepherds go looking after the sheep when the sheep get lost in the mountains. That's the the assurance we have. God is our eternal shepherd, and he will not fail us. You say, but Colin, I have so many things in my life that stand in between me and God. No, they don't. You think they stand in between you and God, but they stand on the side of God. You say, My sins, my addictions stand on the side of God? Yes, exactly they do. For God, in his sovereignty and in his prescience and in his predetermination, has decided that sin, since Satan is operating with sin and death, God will use those instrumentalities by his grace intertwining his grace with them to bring you ultimately to him. Think of it. The fact is that you only come to God when you're in trouble. Isn't that right? So very often we just ignore God when everything's uh, sailing smoothly and then trouble comes and we call out to God. 
We'd like to get to the place where we come to God in gratitude and thankfulness and not just in trouble, and we will, we will get there. But God uses troubles as instrumentalities of grace. This is what he says in verse 20. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. Now, let's uh, get the context of that in this uh, passage that we're studying. Let's read from verse 18. Therefore, as through one man's offense, that is Adam's, judgment came to all men, that is, we all suffered under the, the power of death under, because of Adam's sin, resulting in condemnation, even so, through one man's righteous act, that is Christ's, the gift, the free gift, came to all men. It came to all men, you see, resulting in justification of life. For, as by one man's disobedience, many, that means all, because he's just used the word all in verse 18, many were made sinners. And of course, the very verse itself tells us that the many means all because all are sinners. So also by one man's obedience, many, that will be all, will be made righteous. Then comes this verse that I just read earlier. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. Now, why in the world does God want the offense to abound? Because offenses, sins, bring suffering, and suffering ultimately sobers up Christians, or rather sobers up the world, not sobers in the sense of sin leads us to stop doing the sin, but sin leads us to realize how devastated and at the loss we are and how we have come to the end of ourselves. And that is the moment when God brings mercy to the world. And so that's what verse 20 is saying. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded all the more. Grace abounded much more. Where in the world is there no sin? Nowhere. So where in the world is much grace? Everywhere. That's the truth of the gospel. But you say, Colin, people are dying and suffering and, and, uh, and all hell is breaking loose in the world and I don't see any grace. No, you may not. But in the judgment, God will reveal that every single moment of suffering was intertwined with his grace. And we will see angels behind all our crises, angels of grace through all our troubles. And where there was loss and sorrow and despair, we will see God still upholding our spirit. And we will not have seen it in this life, but we shall see it in the judgment. And so, where sin abounded, grace abounded much more, so that as sin, this is verse 21 now, reigned in death, you see, sin reigns by the power of death, 
through righteousness, uh, so as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus our Lord. Someone said to me not long ago, I didn't ask to be born into this mess. It's true. None of us decided to be born. We find ourselves in this world without our own choice. But the truth also is that none of us ask to be redeemed. But Jesus brought himself to the world to remove the guilt from all humanity. And so the gospel is the news that you have already been redeemed. Receive it by faith. And if you resist faith, God will allow you to go through troubles so great that you will finally desperately call out for faith, and he will give it in his mercy. For Romans chapter 11 verse 32 says, God has imprisoned, imprisoned everyone in sin that he might have mercy on all. Are you trapped? Trapped in your own shame? Trapped in your own addiction? Trapped in your own hate towards others? Just plain trapped? God's done that. Why? Because he hates you? No, the very opposite, because he loves you. And he's trapped you so that you find no way out except his love. That is the good news. Thank you, everybody, for joining me today. Colin Cook and How It Happens Here. And you can listen to this broadcast any time of the day or night on your smart smartphone or other remote device. Simply download a free app, soundcloud.com or podbean.com, and key in How It Happens with Colin Cook when you get there. Would you also consider donating to this ministry and to this radio broadcast now in its 26th year? Please send a donation to FaithQuest. P.O. Box 366, Littleton, Colorado, 80160. Or make your donation online at faithquestradio.com. Thanks so much, then. I'll see you next time. Cheerio and God bless.